Good morning once again, Connection Point Church. I was adjusting my eyebrows before we went live there. They, they are so thick, they get all up on my glasses. I had to escape during worship to go find something to wipe my glasses with to, to clean them off so I could see my notes today. That's probably more information than you needed to, to know, but um, I shared it with you anyhow. But today marks, um, gosh, what are we in, week six or so of our, our study? Man, that we were supposed to be in here, what, two, two weeks? And we are now in, I think, week number, week number six. I had planned, again, to, to do this in two weeks, but you know what? There's a lot in this, in this passage. Um, we just want to say, again, thank you for being with us today, whether you're here in person or joining us online. I know now a lot of our kids are starting to head back to school, so uh, we hope to see some more of your faces here with us soon in person. Listen, if, if it's safe enough for your kids to go to school, it's safe enough for you to come to the house of God, right? Amen. Well, today, if you, would, if you would open your hearts to what the Lord would say to you today through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you would actually take and apply this to your life, I promise you this. God is faithful, and he will use that to impact not only your life, but also the lives of those you come in contact with. Amen? If you got your Bible, if you would go ahead and open to the book of Jude, we're going to pick up in verse number 17 this morning, verses 17 to 23. You'll see a couple of things as we jump into this passage this morning. You'll see Jude once again reminding us that there are false teachers. You know, we need to be aware of those, but you'll also uh, see him give us some advice as so that we do not fall for those snares of the false teachers. Amen? Jude 17 says this, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus, uh, before, by the apostles, not before the apostles. It's like, that didn't sound right. Um, spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. In verse number 17 there, we'll pull it back up here real quick, you'll, you'll see a shift here. But you, beloved, remember the words. Notice here he says, but. He's, he's been talking about these false teachers of old. He, he's been talking about these, these false teachers of the past and what happened to them and what happened to those who followed after them. And here in this, this passage, he kind of interrupts that thought. He says, but, but. And, and he's saying, even though all that stuff is true, everything I said is true, but you don't have to go there. You, you, don't, you don't have to fall for those things, and you don't have to be doomed. He's, he says, instead of following after them and these false teachings, remember the words of the apostles. He's shifting from speaking about those false teachers to talking directly to the Christ followers. And in speaking now directly to the reader, he says, you must remember a couple of things. 
if you remember the words of the apostles, you will remember they warned us of false teachers. Listen, Paul warned us about false teachers. He, he, he did in Acts 20. You can see it in 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3. You see the, the apostle Peter warning us about it in 2 Peter 3. John warns us in 1 John uh, chapter 2 and chapter 4. Jesus himself warns us in Matthew 7. He says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In many of those passages in the, in the New Testament, the writers are specifically talking about the end times, just before the return of Christ. Now, we'll move into that topic of the end times a little more when we start our study on Thessalonians in a couple of weeks. But for now, we've got to finish up Jude. Jude here, he's speaking both of false teachers of the first century church, but he's also speaking of the false teachers that would be there in the end times as well. The truth is, throughout the history of the church, there have been false teachers. In this letter, Jude gives us a clear picture of what these false teachers look like. In Jude 18, he says, how they told you, speaking of the apostles here, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. Jude is like, the, like the, the apostles, they warned us. They told us to be ready. Don't fall for the things that these false teachers are selling. Listen, it's snake oil. It's not anything that will bring godly change in your life. These false teachers, he said, they're, they're mockers. They mock the return of Christ. They, they mock not only the return of Christ and that teaching, but they mock the fact that, that Jesus was, the fa in fact, the Son of God. They saw Jesus not as the Son of God, but as just a, another teacher. They had wormed their way in to the church, to the Christian church, to the church built upon Christ, and then they made fun of the very foundation upon which it was built. Listen to what... Peter says about these false teachers. Where is the promise of his coming? This, this is false teachers speaking here that, that Peter's quoting. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Why is it that these false teachers make fun of the teaching of the apostles, the teachings of Christ? Why is it? They do it because the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the apostles stood in direct opposition to what they truly wanted to do. And that was this, follow after their own ungodly lusts. See, you, they couldn't follow the teachings of Christ and still give in to their fleshly desires. It's the same with us. We can't follow the teachings of Christ and then give in to our, our own fleshly desires. So instead, they just decided to make fun of the truth of the gospel to justify the lives that they were living. We've seen this play out in, in recent years as well um, in all kinds of different forms and in, in many cults and things. You've seen leaders of cults. You may remember one back in the 90s, the, the Branch Davidians, David Koresh, right? He had all of these ideas, and many of his teachings were so that he could fill his, fulfill his own ungodly lusts. Isn't it funny how many times when people have some great spiritual revelation, 
it involves them gaining some new sexual freedom that stands against God's truth. We see false teachers all over today, too. Many will deny the fact of hell. We've we seen it with Rob Bell when he came out and, and said that very, that very thing. We, we see, we see um, people saying things like, there's no, there, there's no way that a loving God would ever condemn people to hell. And in saying that, they're denying the fact that, they, that God is just. They're denying God's justice. They're, they're in saying that no loving God would do this are forgetting about the fact that this loving God gave his very life so that, that the price would be paid for sin. But, but rather than talk about that, they just deny that the punishment of sin could even be real. They claim things like there are many ways to heaven. Some will say all you have to do is do what feels right. Maybe you've heard this, follow your own truth. Are you kidding me? Your own truth. You can't just make up what you want and call it truth. When you make up what you want, that's called fantasy, right? When you make something up, it's just that, it's made up. It's fiction. It's not true. The truth is contained in the word of God, and anything that stands against his word is a lie. It's a lie that are, that's going to lead you straight down a pathway to hell. And listen, I said it last week, the pathway to hell is what? It's wide. The pathway to destruction is wide. So why do people teach things that are contrary to the word of God? They do it so that they can continue in whatever non-God-honoring non activity that they're caught up in. Jude goes on after saying these people are controlled by their lust to say this. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. See, he continues talking about their lust by saying they are sensual persons, and then he says that cause divisions. This is a huge tool of the enemy, division. It's pretty easy to spot these people, though. They'll have an issue with someone, someone who didn't agree with them, and then they'll try to get others to come over to their side, right? It usually begins with something like this, though. You're such a great leader, or, or I wish you were leading this certain ministry or whatever, and then they'll tell you about what so-and-so did. Many times it's right after so-and-so corrected them for doing something they shouldn't have been doing. You ever met someone like that? Someone that, that when they're corrected, rather than admit their error, accept correction, and make a change, they instead want to find fault with the person giving correction. Hopefully that's not you. If you come across someone like that, you may not want to take advice from them. You may not want to listen to what they're saying. If someone's always coming to you talking about so-and-so and filling you with flattery, you might just need to move so, so fast away from them. Because it won't be long before you're the so-and-so that they're talking about. People like this are, are being used as a tool in the enemy's hand. See, the enemy loves to bring division. If, if he can't put a stop to the work that the church is doing, then he'll use division within the body to stop the work. When people try to bring division, stop them in their tracks. 
w when they say, did you hear about, stop them right there. Just put a stop to it. Don't give them your ear. Gossip will only continue if you give it your attention. It only works if the one speaking the gossip has someone that's listening to the gossip. When you give in to gossip, you're giving in to the tool of the enemy that's used to tear apart the unity of the church. Jude warns us about these people. He's like, don't give them a foothold. Jude then says, they do not have the Holy Spirit. Here we're not talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Spirit of God that dwells within us at the moment of salvation. Romans 8, 9 says this, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. See, you need to understand there are those who call themselves Christians, but they really aren't. They will often talk about how, how spiritual they are and even claim to have these great spiritual experiences. All the while, their life tells a different story. And Jude describes these false teachers not so that we can develop some holier-than-thou attitude, but it's so that we can avoid the snares. He tells us what they look like as a warning to us. And then he moves on to some instructions for the believer and how we don't have to fall into these snares. In verse number 20, he says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. He's saying these false teachers, they may do this, but you, brother, you, sister in Christ, I've got some instruction for you. He says if you don't want to fall into their trap and you, you want to be a disciple of Christ, here's what you need to do. And he, gives, he lays it out. He says, you've got to build yourself up. So how do you build yourself up? You remember the words of the apostles. He already said, remember the words of the apostles. How do you do that? Well, you can only remember something if you've read something or if you've heard something. You can't lay the Bible under your pillow at night and just expect to absorb it through osmosis. That is not the way it works. You actually have to open up the Word. You have to listen to the Word. The answer is simple. If you want to know how to avoid these snares, what do you got to do? You got to get in the Word. This is not rocket science. It's much simpler than that. Get in the Word of God. Again, this can't be only on Sunday morning. You need the Word of God daily in your life. David says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Paul says you've got to not conform to the world, but you need to transform. How? By the renewing of your mind. See, as we spend more time in the word of God, we find strength. The longer in the we're in the word, the more we learn. And the more we allow it to change us, the more we mature in our faith. See, spending time in the Word daily results in a life that is built upon a solid foundation, one that when the storms come, and they will, it will not be shaken. It's a foundation that will not be washed away when whatever false teaching comes your way. Jesus said in Matthew 4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
In other words, the Word of God is just as vital to us as the physical food that we eat. I can promise you this. If junk food is the only food you eat, you're going to end up with a body of junk. Rachel and I bought a new scale this week. <laughs> we had this great scale. This scale that we did have, you, <laughs> you would step on it, and if you didn't like what you had saw, you would step off, you step back on it again, and you would do that until you got the number that you liked. It would adjust about five pounds. You may have to step on this scale about 12 times to get the right weight, but if you kept doing it, it would eventually come up with what you wanted it to say. <laughs> but this new scale, no matter how many times I've stepped on it, it says the same thing each time. But it not only gives the weight, it gives you body fat, body muscle, um, BMI, and whatever else it gives. And, and yeah, and how much water you have in can I tell you this? After we stepped on the scale for the first time, within an hour, we were at the store buying different food. <laughs> this is not a lie. It's the truth. <laughs> Healthier food, not more junk food, right? See, because the food we eat, it doesn't lie. It tells the truth. The same, the same thing is true when we, what we feed on with our mind. It comes, it comes out in how we live. If you only feed on the things of this world, you're going to end up with a carnal, fleshly mind. But if you feed on the life-giving word, the kingdom-minded word, then in turn you're going to live a kingdom-minded life. We don't only eat physical food on Sunday morning. We eat food each and every day and sometimes more than what we should. What if we did the same with the Word of God? Shouldn't we daily feast upon His Word? The second thing He tells us is this. He says you've got to pray in the Spirit. I believe this passage is first and foremost saying that you are to pray the will of God over your life in every situation. Paul says pray without, cease, uh, without ceasing. Jesus, when asked by the disciples, how do we, how do we pray? He included in that prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praying in the spirit can only happen if you're walking a spirit-led life. But secondly, I believe when he says pray in the spirit, that it means just that, pray in the spirit. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, Likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. There are times in our lives when we don't know what to pray. But I can tell you this with zero doubt. The Spirit of God always knows. He always knows. When we are praying in the Spirit, we can know that we are praying God's perfect will for whatever situation we're facing. Oftentimes, though, instead of praying in the Spirit, we, we go to God with our, with our checklist. We're praying exactly for what we want, even though it isn't always what we need. 
God, give me this job. Well, God knows this certain job will lead you farther away from him. But isn't that what we do oftentimes? God, do this for me, or, or God, do that. We go to God instead of seeking his will all, often, and instead we, we go to God seeking the candy in a vending machine. In other words, we put in our request and expect him to pop out what we desire. He's like, you're, you're going to the vending machine with a request to satisfy a moment. And all the time, I've got so much more. We go to the vending machine to get what we want, and he's got an endless buffet filled with what we need. The Spirit never makes a mistake. Praying in the Spirit builds us up just like reading the Word builds us up. It's edifying to our life. Praying in the Spirit isn't a one-time event that happened to you at church camp. Praying in the Spirit isn't a one-time event where, where you felt chill bumps, cried, laughed, spoke in tongues, or whatever other thing you may have experienced. It's got to be a part of your daily life. The enemy didn't gi give up on attacking you the moment you got filled with the Holy Ghost. you got to daily get in your prayer closet because there is a daily battle being waged. You can't say, I don't have time. You don't have time not to. Martin Luther said this, I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. Jude instructs us, get in the word. Pray in the spirit. And then in verse 21, he says this, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jesus, keep yourself in the love of God. What he's not saying here is that your salvation depends upon your ability to keep it. That's not what he's saying when he says keep yourselves in the love of God. In fact, we'll see next week that, that, he that, that what he actually says is it's God who keeps us and prevents us from stumbling. What he's saying here is simply this, stay close to him. Trust in him and all that he is. If you want to avoid this, this, the snares of false teaching, Follow Jude's instruction, keeping his love, looking for his mercy. In other words, we, this is what we need to do. We need to continually look to Jesus. Our eyes must be fixed on heaven. Listen, this, doesn't, this does not mean we, we walk around with our eyes always looking up to the sky for Christ's return. If you do this, you're going to end up walking into a wall or out in front of a bus. What it, you'll meet Jesus a lot sooner, though, that way, I guess. What it means is that we live our life in anticipation of his return, that his return is imminent. We live our life in such a way that we know he will soon come in a twinkling of an eye with a trumpet sound. We live our life ready for that return, eagerly awaiting it. We live our life according to second, or John 2, 1 John 2, 28, where he says this, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. This abiding in him is about setting up your home in him. It's about making him your dwelling place. 
if you've ever been far away from home for a long time, there's nothing like getting back to home, is there? It's the same in him in life. If you've ever wandered away from him, you feel lost. But there's nothing like that moment when you return home. Abiding in him changes the way we look at ourselves, but it also changes the way we look at those around us. My intention this morning was really to get through verse 23 this morning, but I think those next two verses, 22 and 23, need our full attention. We'll still try to wrap this up next week, but it may go for two more weeks. So let's look back for just a moment at that verse 21. Let's see. There it is. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I remember a time 20 years ago or so, we were, we were regular, regularly attending church. I wasn't daily communing with him, but we were regular in our church attendance. We were regular in our religious, religious routine. I had gotten into the habit of coming to church. I got in the habit of giving in the offering. I got in the habit of all the other religious duties. But I hadn't set my dwelling place in him. I can tell you this, though. Even though I had maybe pulled away, he never left me. He never forsook me. He was always there waiting to receive me. And I can remember walking into a church service some 20 years ago on an Easter morning and sitting in the back, and as that, that preacher spoke, I can really remember looking for him to say, come home, come home. And, and on that Easter morning, when that pastor gave that invitation, I can remember standing to my feet with tears streaming down my face. And I can remember... How my Father in heaven wrapped his loving arms around me. I'll never forget how it felt like home. That's the dwelling place. That's the place that we need to, to look to be every day. See, because that's what it's like to live your life in him. Is to be in a place of shelter. You see, there's safety in him. There is security in him. There is love in him. There is forgiveness in him. There is healing in him. There is salvation in him. There is redemption in him. There is a hope and a future in him. He is a strong tower. In him we have refuge. Looking to Jesus is living our life in him. So I want to encourage you this morning to keep yourself in the love of God. Don't look to the, to the things of this world, but instead look to Jesus. You're never going to find true satisfaction. You're never going to find fulfillment in chasing after the things of this world. They're all temporal. They'll all disappear. They'll all fade away. Those things are nothing more than a vending machine. God has a banquet feast he's preparing for you. Get in the word. Pray in the spirit. And always 
look to Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your loving arms that wrap us and welcome us home. 